0: Let us turn again to Luke chapter 2 and we are returning this week to our study on the places of Jesus and so far we have considered first of all Bethlehem and then Egypt and then Nazareth and these places follow on chronologically one after the other. But this week we are going to be breaking that pattern somewhat and look at a place that Jesus visited repeatedly in different key stages throughout his life on earth. And that is the temple. And so we're taking our text from the words of verse 46. It came to pass after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them. And asking them questions. And this is of course taken from the famous visit. To the Passover in Jerusalem. And to the temple when Jesus was 12 years old. But the chapter also records for us. Even within the bounds of this one chapter. Another and earlier visit to the temple. When Jesus was an infant. When he was presented to the Lord. As Mary's firstborn son. But there are also other famous incidents that come after this when Jesus visited the temple. Twice he was cleansing the temple. And he was teaching often in the temple precincts and gives some of his most famous and wonderful addresses from the location of the temple. And even he escapes from the temple when the Jews try to kill him there. So I want us to look this week at Jesus and the temple. And we're going to do so under five different headings. Well, first of all, we have the child of the temple, which is him being presented in his infancy. And we have the son of the temple, as here at 12 years old. And we have the Lord of the temple, as he Uh, cleanses the temple on two occasions. We have the God of the temple. As in his teaching there, he says, I am. And lastly, we have the lamb of the temple, as he offers himself as the sacrifice to satisfy divine justice. So we have these five points. And we come first of all then to the child of the temple. And so to begin with then, we are going right back before even Joseph had been warned to go into Egypt. So we're going right back before Nazareth, before um, Egypt, while they were still in Bethlehem, 40 days after giving birth, a mother had to wait a certain time if it was a male and a different time if it was a female. But after 40 days, the mother had to make a visit to Jerusalem and make an offering there of a sin offering and a burnt offering. She was considered unclean until that was done. And there was to be a lamb presented for a burnt offering and a turtle dove or a pigeon for the sin offering. That comes from Leviticus 12, if you want to look it up at a future point. But if a young family were in poverty and could not afford a lamb, they were allowed to present Not the lamb and the turtle dove, but two turtle doves. And if they were in extreme poverty, they could replace the turtle dove with a fine meal offering. And so we see from the presentation made by Joseph and Mary that they were not in abject poverty. It was not the meal offering, but neither were they sufficiently wealthy to be able to have the lamb offering and The turtle dove, it was two turtle doves that were presented. That was for the purification of the mother. But as well as the purification for the mother, with a firstborn son, that child had also to be presented before the Lord in Jerusalem at the temple. And this hacked back to the earlier role of the firstborn sons in Israel, which was originally that the firstborn sons of each family would act as the nation's priests. That role, of course, was later given to the Levites. But even before that had happened... The firstborn were the ones who were redeemed by the Passover lamb in Egypt. The blood of the Passover lamb, you remember, sprinkled upon the lintel and the doorposts of each house. And it was the firstborn child who would have been killed by the uh, angel of death. That is rather preserved and redeemed by the blood of the Passover. And so it was an acknowledgement Of the claim of the Lord upon that firstborn son. That Israel was then required to present their firstborn sons to the Lord. And then they were permitted because now the firstborn sons were not claimed by the Lord. But the tribe of Levi as his priests. They were then permitted to redeem them. By which they would therefore in token of a payment of five shekels. They would then, having presented him to the Lord, take him back within their own home. And he would live as their own son under their own roof and be brought up in that way. And so in this way, the child of the temple enters into his father's house. Christ is truly the child of the temple. And he is entering his own father's house. As once before, the little infant Samuel had been devoted to the Lord. So here too, Mary, in presenting her son before God, was acknowledging more than any Jewish mother had ever been able to acknowledge before, and in a way deeper than any before, the heavenly claim of God upon her son as being his son. And so there was a depth of meaning in the bringing of the child before uh, the Lord in the temple in this way. Uh, but also as for her own impurities and uncleanness as was seen. She had to present these two offerings of the two turtle doves. And their blood was shed and uh, sprinkled upon the mother then as a token Of her being covered by these offerings. So she was holding in her arms. As she presented him before the Lord. The one whose blood would soon truly take away her sins. And all her uncleannesses forever. And what she was performing for herself by ritual. She was also holding the child. Who would truly accomplish it. In reality. And so the child Jesus is claimed by the Lord from his infancy in this way and is brought into his Father's house in acknowledgement of that fact. Now, of course, if we had a full sermon devoted to this section, we would spend more time. This is the point that the saintly old Simeon enters into the temple in the Spirit. And takes up the babe in his arms and blesses the child and says, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And then he turns to Mary and says, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against just about 6 weeks old and this little one is claimed by god <coughs> a light to lighten the gentiles just 6 weeks old and his work typified by the blood of these offerings. But his calling ratified by the prophecy given by Simeon. He is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. How true were the words, a sword shall pierce thy own soul also. And this presentation before the Lord left an evident mark. Upon the child Jesus. It follows on. When they performed all things according to the law of the Lord. They returned into Galilee to their own city Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. Filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. He was a child of the temple. He is stamped with a mask of the worship of God. Claimed by the Lord to whom he was presented. And so the child of the temple is there. We must move on. Secondly, the son of the temple. And we come here to our text and the verses surrounding it more particularly in Luke 2 and 46. At just 12 years old, Jesus had gone up with Joseph and Mary to celebrate what may have been his first Passover in Jerusalem. We are told in verse 41 that Joseph and Mary diligently attended the Passover every year. Does that imply they had taken him before and that this was something something that happened when he was 12 years old or that they had left him with other relatives and had taken him now as he was coming of age at 12? We cannot be sure. But no doubt that journey certainly was a significant one for the 12-year-old Jesus, travelling first of all from Nazareth, perhaps a few dozen pilgrims with them, journeying up towards uh, Jerusalem and soon joined by many others streaming out of all the cities and towns of Galilee and as they pass on into Judea through the hill country more joining them with every step that they took and they entered into Jerusalem singing these great Psalms the songs of degrees ascending up into the gates that welcome them crossing the threshold of the royal city. The Passover feast was before them. The Passover feast was one that extended on and lasted for days. And the happy crowds thronged the streets. And the Nazareth party eventually, by the close, began to wind things up and prepared to leave and gather themselves together again. And out they went, out through these same gates, probably singing the same psalms. But unnoticed to them, Jesus is not amongst them. And how long the three days of searching must have seemed to Joseph and Mary while they were hunting for the child. Where did they find him? It was of course in the temple. In the temple sitting amongst the doctors of the law of Moses. The experts in Mosaic law. Asking the very best questions they'd ever heard. And when he was asked no doubt what he thought himself giving the very best answers that they had ever heard to the astonishment of them all. But notice what his reply is when he is challenged as to what he has done by Mary. How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? I must be about my father's business. Jesus is reminding them Of his true calling and his true work and his true home. If you have a lost child, you'll check their home first. They should have checked the temple first, knowing whose he was. They had devoted him to the Lord. They presented him in that temple a few years earlier. As a babe in arms, he had been taken to the temple. Not, of course, against his will in any sense, but it was done for him. He was pronounced upon while he was there. It happened to him. Circumcised too, before that. But here he is, asserting his belonging. That this is... Where he belongs. He is embracing his calling and destiny. And showing to us that even from this age of 12. He understood who he was. And whose he was. He recognised himself to be the son of God. That God was his father. And that his heavenly father had work for him to do and complete. It was his father's business that he was about. And what is so remarkable here is the ease with which this 12-year-old boy, Jesus, sits amongst the doctors of the law, the experts in Mosaic traditions, because he is clearly at home there. He clearly belongs. And that is the point now. Jesus is at home in his father's house, no longer the infant of the temple. He is the son of the temple, not yet of age to take up affairs and and the reins of it all for himself, but more than capable of conversing on the things concerning his father's business and showing that when he was at the temple, He was very much at home. Notice when they said in verse 51 that he went back down to Nazareth with Joseph and Mary. It does not say he went home. But that he went to Nazareth. He had been home in the temple. And if anyone had the right to call the temple of God home, it was he. He embraced his calling and his identity. But still, though he has developed from being the infant, the 12-year-old boy Jesus had to grow up and so from the son of the temple we come thirdly to the Lord of the temple. (coughs) Twice Jesus is recorded as cleansing the temple. Once near the beginning of his ministry and once very much towards the end. And in John chapter 2, You find there from verse 13, the incident account of the first cleansing. And the Jews' Passover was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence. Make not my father's house an house of merchandise. And the disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. That was the first incident recorded in John. But then in the same gospel we're in, Luke, and in chapter 19, we have a record of the second cleansing of the temple from verse 45. And he went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein and, and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And he taught daily in the temple. the saviour is now acting very differently from the 12-year-old boy. At 12, one of the commentators says he was a son in the house, but now he is the son over the house. Hebrews 3 and verse 5. Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant. But Christ as a son over his own house. And that is what makes the difference and marks the change. And so the son here. Jesus in entering into the temple. In both of these occasions. Is the true representative of his father. Who has come into his fullest state. The heir of his father's rights. And the protector of his honour. And there is also a subtle difference to notice between the first and the second cleansing. Probably the words of the first one are actually more famous. Make not my father's house and house of merchandise. My father's house he says. But in the second event Jesus says. My house. Is the house of prayer. Now he is quoting there from the prophet. But he is asserting it in the first person. My house. My father's house. And my house. See him now. As lord. Over the house. As lord of the temple. He ejects those. Who have no place there. He rebukes those who are breaching the laws of his father's home there. He establishes true order. He is the guardian of his father's honour. And he reserves to himself, without reference to anyone else, the right to represent his father and his father's will and command authoritatively in the temple. He doesn't consult with the priests, He doesn't bother to get them on side. He doesn't ask them what they think. He simply goes ahead and does it. And so where the infant Jesus is stamped with the mark of his father's claim upon him. Presented to the Lord. And the boy Jesus is demonstrating now his acceptance of and embracing of that calling. It is as the man Jesus That we see him exercising his rights over his father's affairs on earth. He is stepping into that role. And that remains his position. He has never stepped down from it. He remains the representative of his father in the house of worship able authoritatively to declare what his father expects and requires of us in worship and what is not permissible. He is the master of the temple, the Lord of the church. And so it is to Jesus and to his word in its entirety that we must ever look in order to discover What is to be done under his roof? Under his roof is under his rules. We must not come then with our innovations into his house, into his church, into his temple. We must not practice our own thoughts, our own suggestions, our own improvements. To the law and to the testimony. And notice friends. That even before Christ died upon the cross to save sinners. Before all the accomplishment of Calvary. The zeal of his father's house. That is the glory and honor he held to it. Did eat him up. And the disciples remembered it. The zeal of his father's house, as it were, consumed him. He was so occupied with it. He was so determined to ensure it. And we are not to suppose that Jesus nowadays, as we might think, has stopped caring for the dignity and honor of his father's worship. That somehow now, oh well, now it is different. Now we are free to experiment, free to innovate, free to alternate in how we go about worshipping God. Jesus doesn't mind, Jesus doesn't care, that is not true. He is the Lord of the temple still. And we keep in view this rising place, as it were, in the temple that Jesus is claiming for himself. Because he is presenting himself before us here. Not only as a member of the house as an in infancy. Or as an asset to the house as in boyhood. But as Lord and master of the house. And so it stands to this day. But there is still more in his assertions. And we come fourthly to God of the temple he is lord and master of it we will see he is also the god of the temple <clears throat> when jesus was teaching in the temple treasury he was encountered by pharisees once who objected to his teaching and so we find that is recorded in john chapter 8 the following exchange jesus is addressing himself now to those who have opposed him. And John chapter 8 from verse 56 says this, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was... I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Jesus was in the temple when he made that brilliant claim I am. And Jesus here clearly lays claim to be not only master of the the temple with authority to cleanse and purge those who are breaching the law of God, but rather and more still the very God who is being worshipped in that temple. I am. Do you see the God who has been worshipped here with all these sacrifices who you say you are serving I am the God of Abraham who you claim to be following. I am. And the Jews caught his meaning only too well. Though they rejected it. And they tried to kill him. And that this mysteriously Jesus passes through the midst of them. Unnoticed by them. And passes right out of the temple precincts altogether, leaving behind the temple. And it was a very ominous foreshadowing of what was to come for the temple itself. Ichabod, the glory departed. But the claim stood. Jesus is the God of the temple. And if he is the God of the temple, then he is saying also, "I am the God of the people who set up this temple. I am the God of the returning exiles. And if he is a God of returning exiles, he is the God of those who went into exile and those who lived in the land before the exile, and those who worshipped at the first temple. and if he's the God of Solomon that he set up the first temple, he's the god of David. Whose desire was to set up the first temple. But who worshipped in the tabernacle. And if he's the God of the tabernacle. Then he's the God of Moses. And the God who spoke from Sinai. And the God of Jacob. And the God of Isaac. And the God of Abraham. And the God of Noah. And the God of Seth. And the God of Adam. And the God of creation. I am. I am God. Jesus is God. And all the offerings that were ever made. In that temple. Or in that tabernacle before it. Were offered to me he says. And all the incense that ever rose up. From that altar. The sweet smelling savour. It came to me. And all the rules and the laws that governed it, they were my rules and my laws. And all the priests who ever served within it were my priests serving me. And all the blood that was sprinkled before the holy place was to propitiate me. And all the faith of all the worshippers who put their hope and trust in my word was laid upon me. I am God. For a man, who ministered mostly in Galilee and mostly in country areas, the centrality of the temple to the mission and message of the Saviour is hard to overestimate. He was saying, the whole of this worship and the whole of these feasts and the whole of this ceremony is directed to me. When you are doing these sacrifices, you are worshipping me. When you are teaching from this law, you are worshipping me. When you are singing these psalms as you enter into Jerusalem, you are worshipping me. I am the one who's being worshipped by everything done in this place and connected with it. My name is being glorified. My honour is raised up. This is my house. This is my temple. I am its God. And that... Which in the context of a Christian church. Seems only natural. We are worshipping Jesus. All we do is for him. It's to him. But it was a stunning and shocking claim. For the Jews to receive. Now the, the, the truth of his claim. And the impact of that teaching. Is manifest in the simple acceptance of this truth. Now today in the Christian church. There is no debate. We are here to worship Jesus. And Jesus is God. The youngest child amongst us will get confused. Certainly by some of these terms of Trinity. And how is God God but Jesus is God. But the youngest child of any understanding will know. That we worship Jesus here. And that Jesus is God. As they grow up they'll be taught some of the catechisms to help them learn the Trinity. But they understand that we are here to worship Jesus. And that Jesus is God. Do You see how pervasive this claim of Jesus here has become for us. I am the God of the temple. How integral our whole concept of Worship and how integral to our whole concept of worship and church this teaching is. It's what we're doing here today. Who is the God who receives our worship this morning? Jesus does. He is our God. We are sinners. We have... Sin stained hands as we came in the door today. So Jesus is the God of our worship. But how? How does he receive our worship? How can he be worshipped from the hands of sinners, from the hearts of sinners? And that takes us to our final point the Lamb of the temple. <coughs> After the first cleansing of the temple, Jesus was challenged. John 2, verse 18. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Destroy this temple. And in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said unto him, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. He spake unto them of the temple of his body. When he spoke about his The temple being destroyed. He spoke of the temple of his body. What was Jesus claiming? He was claiming to be the fulfillment of what was pictured there in the temple himself. Not only the God who was worshipped by it, but indeed now embodying it. He was claiming to be the offering of the temple, the altar of the temple, the sacrifice of the temple. He was claiming to be the priests in the temple. He was claiming to be the mercy seat of the temple, the ark of the covenant. He was claiming to be it all. He was claiming to be the embodiment of temple worship in himself, in his body. What was the temple? The temple as it was there was this place upon the earth where God and man met together. Reconciled through blood sacrifices. Through the substitutionary atonement offered there according to the requirements and requisites of God. And Jesus himself gathers all the responsibility... For what was being accomplished as it were. Or rather foreshadowed by the temple. And gathers it to himself. And says I am the temple. I am the one who will reconcile God and man. I am the one who will accomplish the atonement. He spoke of the temple of his body. And so he spoke then of the destruction of his body, the offering of his body. He was the lamb of the temple. And for us today, where is the temple gone? It's not found. Are we bereft? Are we diminished? Are we deprived because we haven't got a physical temple made with bricks or stones or wood or gold to attend upon? By no means. Where is the temple? Well, friends, instead, we ourselves are made part of the body of Christ. And so we become part of the true temple of God. We are living stones laid upon the chief cornerstone. His body was slain. The temple of Christ's body offered to God for his people. But we are now part of his body. Part of the true temple of God upon the earth. Hebrews 3 6, we've quoted before, but Christ is a son over his own house. Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? Whose house are we? Dear friends, Today we can think of the temple of old. We can picture it in our mind's eye the splendor of it, the approaches made, the altar, the priests, the holy of place, the holy of holies. We can picture the temple visited by Jesus, but we do not mourn for it. We do not weep at the wailing wall for it. No, because we see in Jesus our temple. In Jesus we find our God and our Lord and our Saviour. And in Jesus we ourselves are part of the temple of God upon the earth now. We are part of his body. We are living stones united to him if we hold fast the confidence of his hope firm and to the end. He is the lamb of the temple. He is the way by which we who are sinners. May offer he who is God a true worship. An acceptable worship. How we as sinners might come before him. How can we enter into the temple of God this day. By Jesus Christ. Let him be your temple and mine. As we make our approaches to God this day. And every day. And as we begin a new year. How might we begin it better. Than beginning a new year. Bound up with Christ. And so presented with him to his father. May he bless these words. Let us pray.